So everybody knows what, what this is, right? Um, Magic 8-Ball, maybe it's been a little while since you've seen one of these. And these are kind of fun. In fact, I thought I would, I would try it out. Um, Joseph's got the day off today, so I imagine, I don't know, it's hard to stay awake and you have to do this all the time. So here's my first question for Magic 8-Ball. Is Joseph going to fall asleep during the sermon today? Let's see. See what we got? As I see it, yes. There you go. <laughs> so now we know. Let's try it one more time. I know it's, it's still a couple weeks away, but I'm not a UT fan. But is UT going to at least beat Vanderbilt? This is rough, isn't it? Let's see. Ask again later. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not making it up. <laughs> so the fun thing about these is that obviously you can have a little fun with them. Um, I'm afraid sometimes we treat... God like a magic eight ball. When we have a decision to make about the future, maybe it's a decision about a job, maybe for our young people, where you're going to go to college, maybe it's the decision between living in one place or another place. We want God's help with those decisions, and so we pray and we pray, and, and it's almost like it's a magic eight ball, and we think if we push all the right buttons in our prayers that God will tell us exactly what we're supposed to do next. The problem is, I don't know if your experience is like mine. God doesn't often tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do next. And when I treat God's magic, God like a magic eight ball, it often leaves me disappointed and frustrated as I think about the will of God. Or perhaps I brought another toy with me today. Um, I've got an aunt who lives in Ohio. Uh, she, she's one of those aunts that She's one of those relatives that come February, late February, early March, we'll get a box in the mail, and we'll open up the box, and it'll say, Merry Christmas, sorry it's late. Yeah, Siri, I'm not joking here. And in the box will be all of these random presents, and you never know what will be in there. It's usually something useful, but you wonder, where in the world did she get that? So our son Connor got this, and this is a duck hunting game. It's hard for you to see got little bullseyes in the middle and it lights up and it came with a little um, dart gun that he can shoot at a lot a lot of fun and so the point of the game is you've got to hit these these ducks right when they light up um, even though I grew up in West Virginia and I wore my shoes today I, I didn't grow up hunting but Connor loves this thing here's the thing I think sometimes we treat the will of God like a bullseye and we think okay I've got to figure out exactly what I'm going to do with my life. In fact, I've got to figure out exactly what God wants me to do with my life. And the only way I can be successful is I pray about it. I hope that somehow God reveals his will to me. I discern his will. And then I've got to hit it right in the bullseye to be in, and here's the phraseology we use, to be in the, the middle of God's will. Because, hey, we all want to be in the middle of God's will, right? And so we view it like a bullseye, and so we've got to make all of our decisions and land right in the middle of God's will. And if we're just off, if we miss the target just a little bit in our search for God's will, then wow, we've lost. If we can land in the middle of God's will, if we can hit the bullseye straight on, well, that's, that's when everything lights up and we win the game. If we don't hit the bullseye, then we feel as if, if this is the way we view God's will, will we feel as if we've, we've lost. Sometimes we view the will of God Something like a choose-your-own-adventure novel. Do you remember these? These were a lot of fun. These were a thing when I was growing up, at least. And so the way you do a choose-your-own-adventure novel is you, you read a chapter. At the end of a chapter, you have a choice to make. You can e either choose to go this direction, 
or this direction, and you choose the page number that corresponds with your decision. And if you choose the right decision, then you win the war, the battle, and everything's good. If you choose the wrong decision, you die. I mean, for an eight-year-old, how traumatic is that? But nonetheless, these were, these were kind of fun. When we view the will of God like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, even though these are fun for an eight-year-old, these are not, that's not very much fun. And sometimes we view it that way, don't we? We think, okay, I've got this decision. I've got to either go to this page or that page. I've got two choices, and only one of them can be right. And if I make the wrong choice that's not in the will of God, then I'm going to get to that, that point, and it's all going to fall apart, and life is going to come apart, and I'm going to lose. Perhaps another way we view the will of God is something like a maze. In the maze of life, now here's what I know some of you are doing right now, so I'm just going to tell you, stop. Stop trying to figure out how to get through the maze. <laughs> some of you are already doing it, aren't you? I know it. So here's my point. I'm just going to move on from this slide so you won't be trying to figure it out the whole time. We view God's will like this, don't we? And we think, okay, I've got to make it to the finish or from, from our perspective with the will of God, we've got to make it to the center of God's will, the center of God's, of God's maze or labyrinth. And so we face these decisions and we either can go this way or this way. We're at a crossroads in life and we think, okay, there's only one right choice when it comes to the will of God, so I've got to choose the right one. Because if I choose the wrong one, then wow, it's a dead end or maybe there's a trap door that we fall through and it's, and it's game over. When we view the will of God in all of these ways, basically what we're asking is this. Does God have a secret will of direction that He expects us to figure out before we do anything? Now when you say it like that, when you ask it like this, and you, maybe you would ask it like this, does God have this secret plan for my life that he expects me to figure out before I do anything, our first response is, well, no. Because if God is a good God and he has something good for my life, surely he's not going to keep that a, a secret from me. But this is the conventional way that we approach the will of God, isn't it? This is how I've thought about it for most of my life. This is how I've prayed about it. God, help me to know what your will for my life is. But the reality is, and some of you have been here, is you've faced decisions about the future and tried to figure out which one is the will of God. You've left that prayer or that phase of your life fairly disappointed and frustrated because it wasn't clear what you were supposed to do. When we view the will of God in this way, as if He has a secret plan for our lives that we have to figure out, it's as if we view God as some master in the sky, looking down on the maze, just waiting for us to make the wrong turn in the maze of life. And he's going to push the, the button and the trap door falls open and wow, it's game over. But as I read all of Scripture, you know what I discover? I discover that that's not the good God that is described in Scripture. And so this morning, the question we want to ask is, what is God's will for our lives? Now, let me be very upfront. I believe that God guides us in our decision making. In fact, this afternoon, after lunch, come back and we'll talk about that. But I also believe the conventional way that we talk about this, that God has a secret plan for our lives that somehow we've got to figure out, I'm not sure that's entirely biblical. In fact, I want to give you a, a simpler way today. Let me also say this. I don't have all this figured out. When we talk about the will of God, we're talking about some things that are mysterious and I don't understand all of the ways that God, God works and, 
and leads, and I trust that He does, and I I don't understand all of that. But I can, based on what Scripture says, I think give give us some insight and help us to see a simpler and better way of viewing God's will so that we're not as frustrated. Let me just say this up front. God's will is not an imaginary maze that we have to feel our way through and hope that we just end up going the right directions to find the middle of the will of God or the center of the will of God. I think that it's simpler than that. So to answer this question, what is God's will for our lives? Let me point you just to five passages that I think are the most helpful in wrestling with this question. And let's start with one that really is rather familiar. In fact, we won't even read the whole thing. I think we can summarize it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Here's what Jesus says. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear because that's what, that's what the Gentiles do. Don't worry about that, that kind of stuff. God will provide. If God takes care of the, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, then you better believe that He's going to take care of you. Instead of worrying about what's next, you ever had trouble sleeping at night worrying about the will of God and what's next? Instead of worrying about what's next, what does is, what is he say in verse 33? Instead of worrying about all that stuff, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, when we think about figuring out what's next and figuring out the will of God and doing the will of God, it is not a choice to be in the center of God's will. It's not a decision between X and Y. That's how we view it, though. If you're you're a high school student, you think, okay, if I want to be in the middle of God's will, it's the decision between this, this university or this university. It's the decision between this career and that career. It's the decision between living here or there or staying in this job or taking this new job. But according to Jesus, He says, don't worry about what's next. While He's concerned about those decisions, and those decisions will make an impact on our lives, Jesus said, To be in the center of God's will is not a decision between X and Y. Rather, it's the daily decision to seek the kingdom first. And so based on what Jesus says, could it be that being in the middle of God's will is not about a choice between this place or that place, this career or that career, this person or that person, but rather the decision to love God, love your neighbor, And seek the kingdom first regardless of where you're at. Regardless of the decision that you make to move here or there or go here or there. That if you're seeking God's kingdom first in any of those areas, then you are smack dab in the middle of God's will. Turns out, not a surprise that Paul agrees with Jesus. In fact, let me point you to a couple of the things that Paul says about God's will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. We ought to stop there and say, okay, he's about to say something important because he's about to describe to us the will of God. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Now that's a big word that you probably don't throw around in your everyday life very often. The ESV has a little footnote that says your holiness. So God's will for your life is not a person or a place or a university, or a grad school, or a certain house, or a big fat retirement fund. It is your holiness. So could it be, if you were in our Bible class this morning, we talked about the different ways that God's will is described in Scripture, and we said 
God's will of desire is what He wants us to do. We do the will of God. Could it be, as we start wrestling with these passages, could it be that God's will of desire and God's will of direction are really the same thing? Here's the reality. God knows what's going to happen next in your life. But I think most of us recognize He's likely not going to tell us what's going to happen. So could it be that His goal, His will for my life, according to what Paul says here, is regardless of where I end up, holiness. How about another passage from 1 Thessalonians? Watch what Paul says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that, isn't that simple? So which do you think God is more concerned about? What you're going to do next? Or that you practice the things listed here, regardless of where you end up? Or perhaps Colossians chapter 1, where our Scripture reading came from, is helpful. Watch this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with all the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now that could almost sound like we're talking about God's will of direction. Paul says, I hope that you guys come to understand or discern God's will. But watch how he describes God's will. Here's what God's will is that they are to understand. Verse 10, So, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It turns out that as Paul writes the Colossians, he's not saying, hey, here's this mysterious will of God. I hope you figure it out. No. It turns out that the will of God is less about trying to figure out what's next in our lives and far more about walking with Jesus on a daily basis. Let me point you to one more passage. And this is in Ephesians chapter 5. Too, too big to put on the screen. As I told the Bible class this morning, you always forget something when you travel. I forgot my Bible, so I'm using my Bible on my iPad. This is Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now that has a lot to do with the will of God. We want to make wise decisions, right? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. You want to be wise? Don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, Paul says you need to do, understand what God's will is. I usually we're like, ooh, what's next in my life? Here he simply describes it as living and walking with Christ. Can I give you some good news this morning that I hope will break you from the chains of hopelessly trying to figure out exactly what it is that God wants you to do next? Because when we view the will of God like that, we've got to figure out exactly what's next. Wow, that can seem a whole lot like slavery and a God who doesn't really care about us but is just, try, just messing with us. 
According to the passages that we've just read, do you know what God's will for our lives actually is? It's your growth in Christ-likeness. It really is that simple. And you know what this frees me up to do? This frees me up to make some decisions in my life with the wisdom that God gives me. Knowing that whether I choose this direction or that direction, from God's perspective, He knows already what's going to happen, but from God's perspective, what's most important is that wherever or whatever direction I go, wherever I go, whatever I do, His goal, His will for my life is that I grow in Christ-likeness regardless of where I end up. So it could be that you've got this choice of, of where to go to college for our, for our younger folks. You know that God's less concerned with where you go to college and more concerned with your growth in Christ-likeness wherever you choose to go to college? And we hope you come to Freed Hardeman. But either way, God's goal for your life is Christ-likeness. For those of you who are thinking about maybe dating and marriage, God's goal for your life in those relationships is Christ-likeness. As you think about which job you're going to take or, or where you're going to live, maybe you're considering a move. There's all sorts of things that we wrestle with as we think about what's next in our lives. And we get stressed out and worried and we think, okay, what does God want me to do? You know what He wants you to do? He wants you to grow in Christ-likeness regardless of where you end up and regardless of what you do. His will is not a magic eight ball. So that you have to just kind of say the right prayers and rub the ball the right way and then maybe he'll tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. If that's what you've been waiting on, I'm guessing you've ended up pretty frustrated and worried about the will of God. And the will of God, instead of being something freeing, it stresses you out. Can I relieve some of your stress today and say that God's primary concern for you is that you grow in Christ-likeness regardless of where you end up. Let me be clear, God cares about the decisions that you make. And as I said, He wants to guide you, and he'll help, He will guide you. But He also gives you a brain to make decisions, and He gives us several avenues, we'll talk about this afternoon, to help you make wise decisions. So that you can make decisions and know that regardless of which direction you go, if you are growing in Christ-likeness, if you are becoming more like Jesus, that you are right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. When I was with you a little over a year ago, I told you a little bit about our story and how we were in Cusco and our daughter's illness brought us back. I wonder now as I look back 10 years ago, and I think about my view of the will of God. I kind of had a view of what God's will for my life was. I thought, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. And this is, in fact, my understanding of God's will at the time is that we'd still be in Peru right now. Maybe we'd be there with... Uh, with the, the Ruths right now. We'd be there. That was kind of my view of the will of God. It's almost laughable to think about how things turned out as I think about what I thought the will of God was. Now, here's what I wonder. I sometimes wonder had I known what was going to happen, would we have gone to the mission field? And I kind of doubt it. I, had I known all that was going to happen and how we would have to come back? Ahead of time, I wouldn't have gone. Because it would have appeared to me that's, that's not God's will for my life. But looking back now, you know what I think? I think it absolutely was God's will, and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. Here's the key. We, when we view our plans for the future, we want to know that everything is going to work out perfectly before we go that direction. And could it be 
But God isn't as concerned about that. He knows which way we're going to go. And could it be that he knows we're going to face some difficulty along the way, and those difficulties will help to make us more Christ-like. I think about, I think about the Ruths. Man, Mitchell had a pretty rough go of it a few weeks ago, didn't he? I mean, near-death experience, the way it's, they've described it. Had they known that was going to happen before they went, had, had they prayed, God, please reveal your will to us so that we can know whether we're supposed to go to Peru or not, and God said, okay, here's what's going to happen if you go. I don't know. I kind of think they might not have gone. And we all would have been like, yeah, absolutely. The elders would have been like, yep, don't go. We don't want this happening. You see, if we understand everything that's going to happen ahead of time, maybe we don't go through some of the things that help us to become more Christ-like. So, figuring out God's will is not so much about figuring out which direction we should go, and it's a whole lot more about becoming more like Jesus. So what difference does this make for you? If you, as you've struggled with this before and you've thought, okay, what, what is God's will for my life? How do I figure this out? Now he's saying it's, it's far simpler. It's just, it's just growing in Christ-likeness regardless of where you go. Here's what I hope you'll do with this. I hope that with the next decision that you have to make, whatever that decision is about what's next in your life, I hope that your prayer will look something like this. Father, regardless of which direction I go, help me to grow in Christ-likeness. Or perhaps your decision-making will go something like this. Father, I'm looking at these two jobs. Which one of these is going to help me become more Christ-like? Or perhaps it's even between, you've got a choice between two or three different things and they're all equally fine. There's nothing sinful about them. These are three equally good options. You know what you can do? You can pray for wisdom. Use the wisdom that God has given you to make a decision and then live in peace. Not worrying about, oh, was this God's will for my life or not? Because you know what? God's more concerned about whichever decision you decide to go, that you grow in Christ-likeness when you go that direction. And for me, that is freeing to know that that is God's primary concern for my life, my own growth in Christ-likeness. Now, there's a couple areas of life that I think this plays out. Let me, let me mention, and I've mentioned it a couple times already, dating. So for our high school students, for those of you, the rest of you who are still in the dating phase of your life, could it be that God's primary goal for, for your dating life is that you find someone that helps you grow in holiness? You see, we're really concerned when we're in our dating lives, in our dating phases of life, in finding the right person. But what I read about, or finding the person that's, that is God's will for our lives, could it be that God is more concerned with us becoming the right person and finding the person who will help us to become a holy and more Christ-like person? See, dating is funny with the will of God because we use the will of God as an excuse sometimes, don't we? You ever heard somebody who talks about a relationship and they're like, yeah, we broke up, it just wasn't God's will. And maybe you ever... Maybe you, you ever, somebody ever said that to you? They break up with you, they're like, I'm really sorry, but it sounds really spiritual. It's just not God's will. Wow. So not only has the person rejected you, but God's will has rejected you too. That's pretty rough. I actually read about a girl um, who told a guy, hey, I'm sorry, we've we got to end this. Um, the Holy Spirit told me. Wow. So now not only 
Not only is the guy rejected by the girl, he's rejected by the Holy Spirit. So perhaps some of this, some of the way that we use the will of God is just about our decisions. And maybe in our relationships, it's time we just kind of, we own the relationship or we own the decision and we say, you know what? Maybe we are gently say, I'm not interested anymore. Or I find you annoying. No, don't say that. Rather than blaming our relationship messes on the will of God. But then I think this really makes sense when it comes to job and career choices. I hope that those of you who are still trying to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, I hope that you find something incredibly fulfilling, life-changing, and world-shattering. I hope you change the world. But I'm guessing there are a bunch of people in this auditorium right now who perhaps enjoy their jobs, but it's not as fulfilling as they once thought it would be. Some of you it is fulfilling, and that's That's great. But some of you are working maybe in a job that you don't particularly love because you know that God wants you to provide for your family. And you know what? Maybe you have doubts that this wasn't God's will for my life. If you are working hard to provide for your family and in the process growing in Christ-likeness, you are smack dab in the middle of the will of God and you don't have to worry about it. So what's it look like to find and be in the middle of the will of God, it means that regardless of what direction you go, if that direction is not a sinful direction, I would add, regardless of what direction you go, regardless of where you live, what your career is, regardless of what your retirement fund looks like, regardless of all that, if you are growing in Christ-likeness, you can be confident that you are in the middle of the will of God. And so let me challenge you as you pray and make decisions for the future that you ask God, instead of asking God to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do next and then leaving frustrated when He doesn't tell you exactly what you're supposed to do next, why don't you pray something like this, Father, as I make these choices, may my primary goal be Christ-likeness. May my primary goal be to become more like Your Son. And if you do that, you will be in the will of God. You see, God's goal for your life ultimately is is not happiness. It's not always the funnest thing to consider, but His ultimate goal for your life is holiness, Christ-likeness. And perhaps this morning, the next decision that you need to make about what's next in your life is the decision, the best decision that you'll ever make, and that's the decision to put on Jesus Christ in baptism and become one of His followers and filter the rest of your decisions for the rest of your lives life through this filter of whether it brings about Christ-likeness or not. I know the folks here would love to help you and love to talk to you about what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're ready to do that this morning. I know they'd love to help you. Maybe you need the prayers of this church. Maybe you've, you've struggled with this and maybe you've gone down some what you view to be the wrong paths. Maybe you need prayers of this church to help you to become more, more Christ-like. When we were living in Peru, we hadn't lived there all that long at all, in fact, um, two or three months. And I, one day I went to Spanish class. I think Mitchell and Rachel are probably taking Spanish classes. And, and one day we went, to, we went to Spanish class, and my teacher was, was clearly bothered. She was upset, and she didn't want to teach Spanish that day. And so she explained her problem, and she said, here's what's going on. My, my godson, the godchildren, that whole thing's pretty common in Peru, uh, my godson was in the United States on a short-term visa, was in the wrong place at the wrong time, got picked up by immigration, 
And now he's stuck in this immigration detention center in Gina, Louisiana. Does anybody in here know, ever been to Gina, Louisiana? That's what I thought, right? So, I mean, we're talking middle of nowhere. Here's this poor, he's 18, 19 years old, poor Peruvian kid, stuck there. So we go to my house, I try to make some phone calls, get a hold of some immigration lawyers, because I had the ability to call the United States fairly easily, and couldn't do anything. We took a break for lunch. She comes back after lunch, and she brings the boy's mom with her, and she's frantic. And the situation has changed a little bit, and she said, here's what's going to happen. They're going to let him go, because he wasn't doing anything wrong, and they just said, you need to get back to Peru. So they're going to let him go, but they're going to turn him out of this detention center in Gina, Louisiana. He has no money, no belongings, and he certainly doesn't know anybody in Gina, Louisiana, and they're just going to put him out on the street. And she was scared to death for her son, rightly so. So I, again, I, I thought, who can I call? So I, I looked, I googled Gina, Louisiana, Church of Christ. So I will start there. And... I, so I, I dialed the number through, again through a computer line, no answer, so I expanded my search and I found Pineville, Louisiana, about 30 minutes away, so I found this church, I dialed up the number, and somebody answered, it was the preacher I assumed, and, and I said, hello, my name is Matt Cook, I'm a missionary in Peru, and I started in on my story, on my pitch, and he said, Matt? I said, yeah. He said, this is David Gardner. I don't know, you guys probably remember David Gardner, um, guy that we went, we went to school with at Freed Hardman, he was on the baseball team, he actually considered joining our work in Peru, went through a big part of the process, and I randomly call him at his office just by Googling names to try to help this family. Now, what David did was great. He went and picked him up and helped him get to the airport. It's a long story. Really cool things happened. As I look back on that, I believe God's hand was at action. I can't explain how. I don't know exactly what happened, how it happened, but I believe that God was active in that. No, no question. But when it came to my decision to help, I didn't have to ask what God's will was. I didn't have to say, God, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. This could turn really bad and make my Spanish teacher mad at me. What should I do? Please reveal your will to me. I didn't have to ask that. I just had the resources to do something simple to help, and I did that. And you know what? Any of you would have done the exact same thing that I did. There was nothing special at all. I just did what I was supposed to do to be Jesus to the people around me in the moment. Here's the thing. God is going to give you those same opportunities. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, even if you feel like you've made a bad decision by moving somewhere, taking a job somewhere, do you know what? God is still going to give you opportunities in those places in life to show the love of Jesus, to love your neighbor, and to become more like Jesus. And no matter where you end up and no matter what you're doing, if you choose to become more like Jesus in those situations, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are right in the middle of the will of God. Today, if we can help you in any way at all, won't you come? We stand and sing together.